0: Coming up on Ministry in the Marketplace. The gospel changed my life, and so I know the gospel that transformed my life could also transform the lives of others. Times are changing for
1: believers. A new day, a new paradigm is dawning for Christians in the United States. The political and social scenes are shifting. Persecution looms ominously on the horizon. Political correctness overshadows truth. Compromise is preferred to conviction. Truth is blurred, vision declines, and individual liberty evaporates. Is the future all gloom and doom? Does this spell the end of the church? Of course not. We serve a mighty God. His light has always shined brighter in the darkness. But it is a time to take a stand, to reflect Jesus Christ, and to make a difference. Where we live, where we work, in the Marketplace. This is Ministry in the Marketplace. Real people, real lives, making real impact for the kingdom of God. And here with today's Ministry in the Marketplace is Reverend Richard Hamlet.
2: Welcome, dear friend, to this week's program. Here we are today in the corporate headquarters of Global Ministries Fellowship. And today I want to call your attention to a passage of Scripture from the book of James. The book of James, chapter 4, verses 13 and 13. And 14, hear the word of the Lord. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there, buy and sell and make profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Oh, dear friend, I pray that today God will give you ears to hear as we share some observations that flow out of God's Word. You know, with ministry in the markets, there is so much diversity in our society and all around the world. There are human activities that go every day unnoticed. There are transactions that take place that many will never know about. But I want to share with you today that the Lord Jesus Christ He is the Lord of the markets, and He sees everything that is done on this terrestrial ball we call earth. And so when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, He created Adam and Eve and put them on this earth for a purpose, and that was to seek His will for their life. But as we know, Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis had a great fall, and so you and I have fallen with them in our sin and have been separated from God because of our sin. But we see that God gave Adam a charge, and he gave mankind a charge to go into the field and work. As a matter of fact, God gave Adam dominion over the field, over all the creatures. So work was something that God gave Adam even before the fall in Genesis chapter 3, but then after the fall, work became more difficult, the Bible says. And so when we read this verse from James, where James says that someone may Say, and maybe somebody listening today, you have even made this statement. Today or tomorrow, we will go into a city and continue there a year, and we will trade, and we will make a profit. I want you to know that there's the reality of work that all of us face. I must tell you from experience, to have work is much better than the alternative. Some of our listeners may not have work today And you may be praying about a job. I want to tell you that God is the one who is your provider, and you need to continue to pray because he has work for you to do so that you can provide for yourselves and take care of your families. But I want to tell you, we have to be cautious today about this matter of the reality of work, that we can allow work to become our God. We can allow the workplace to become our idol. We can actually use what God has created to be good and to be something necessary for our lives here on this earth, and we can make it a shrine. We can make it an actual God that competes with the God of the Bible. Oh, dear friend, the reality of work is something that can be a great blessing for any of us, but it can, like many things in this world, it can become a curse if we do not center it around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ And so today, as we travel on this earth and we go through our uh, life of faith in following Jesus, there are going to be many that come in our path within our workplace, within our domain, within our vocations. and we are going to see those and hear those who don't have a clue about the gospel, who don't have any idea about uh, how they can have eternal life. And so it's important that when we make our plans, within our workplace, that we not forget God, that we let God be the center of our work. And so that everything we do, we do it for His glory, with excellence, so others will ask the question, what is it that makes you tick? What is it, listener, that makes you do things at this excellent level? Were you For you to go the extra mile so that you make sure that what you do is quality work, whatever God has called you to do. Oh, the reality of work is something that we must see today from this text. The second observation is the brevity of life. I want you to notice that James says that really in an answer to this statement of someone saying they want to go in a certain place a certain year and do a certain thing, he says, really, it's foolish for us to be so focused on our work that we forget to know how that there's a much greater purpose that God has for us within our work or our ministry in the marketplace. He says that our life is like a vapor. Now, I remember when I was growing up and I was a young child, I remember in the morning when I woke up and I was going into the kitchen. My mother used to make tea, hot tea, and she used to have there on the oven some hot tea and it would begin to make a little noise and it would get louder and louder and louder and louder. And finally, it would be like a screaming noise, but there would be this vapor that would come up because of the intensity of the heat there in the teapot. But then as the stove was turned off and the grill became less hot, then that vapor faded away, never to be seen again in that format, in that time, in that context. I want to tell you today that according to God's Word, that each of us in our lives, we are like a vapor. We have been ordained by God to live a few years here on this earth. And God has given us days and weeks and years to be here. But none of us know today the longevity of our life. Some of our listeners today, you may be 60, 70, or 80 years old. Well, listen, you know you're immortal in this world until God says you're not. But what are you doing today to advance the kingdom of God even within your workplace? You say, "Uh, Richard, I'm retired. Well, when I read the scripture, dear friend, I don't see retirement for a Christian. For a follower of Christ, it's just a matter of being put in a different sphere of influence. Oh, you may not be doing the same work you did, you were trained to do in your younger years. Maybe your income has changed. Maybe your place and your habitation has changed. But listen, you are still, you are still doing the work of the King of Kings in his kingdom. And so, regardless of your span of life, and whether you are a teenager listening, or a mother or father, or whether you are a, a more seasoned adult, Uh, God has you in this life as a vapor for this time within His scale of eternity. You see, the vapor of life of each of us should bring us to the point where we consider today, how can I be more in tune with Jesus Christ? Dear listener, how can you become closer to Jesus today? How can you be His hands and feet? How can you be His mouth within your context in the marketplace of life wherever God has you? And then the third observation is that there's the certainty of death. Notice that with the vapor that fades away and vanishes away, that there will be death in all of our lives. The scripture does say, listener, that it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. And as you examine yourself today to see that you are in the faith and that you truly have been born again by the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want you to look past your own heart then and look out at all those who are around you, your, your family, and those who are within your friends, your network, your peers in the workplace, those who are in the recreational facilities. I mean, you can look at anyone and see that their clock is ticking. There will be a time soon when their last heartbeat resounds and they will transition from earth and they will stand before the God of the universe and they will give an account for that vapor of time they had in this world. Oh, I pray that like my prayer today, your prayer will be that you will be able to stand that day and know that you lived your life in preparation for your death that you have realized that you're not truly prepared to die and go to the next world until you have lived in this ministry, in this marketplace that God has placed you in, and that you have sought first the kingdom of God. Just uh, the past few weeks, we have all been focused on a missing airplane, a flight that uh, somehow has disappeared in the South Indian Ocean. All of a sudden, a plane that was traveling across the continents no longer was on a radar screen. There was no blip on that screen. This plane carrying hundreds of people disappeared. Everyone's been searching for this plane, and no one can find it. But I tell you, God knows where that plane is. God knows where those remains are. And I tell you today, we need to consider and know that there is a certainty of death. And today is the day God's given us to live for Him in the marketplace. And today is the day that God has you to be one of influence of those within
1: your community. God bless you, dear friend. Still ahead on
0: Ministry in the Marketplace. I once was that man that you were looking to pick you up. I was once that man that would put women out on the street. I was once that man blind in sin. And God has set me free. And you can have that same freedom
1: today. Our conversation with Eric Watkins on how his life was changed by the power of Christ and how God is using him to do the same for others.
3: What is ministry in the marketplace? In some ways, the answer is self-explanatory, but defining the concept is essential to effective and efficient ministry. At GMF, we define it as a holistic approach to meeting people in the workplace, where they are, and guiding them to Jesus Christ. It's also encouraging them in their ongoing relationship with Him. We want our colleagues to know Christ personally, not to simply know more about Him, Someone has said Marketplace Ministry is the army deployed by God in the spiritual war zone of the workplace. But this is a different kind of army. This army fights with spiritual weapons, and that's not hitting people over the head with the Bible. Remember, Jesus is described as a lion, a lamb, and a dove. We are to be as bold as lions concerning truth, as meek as lambs concerning our rights. And gentle as doves in sharing and relating to people at our work. Learn more about Ministry in the Marketplace at gmfonline.org. That's gmfonline.org. This is Ministry in the Marketplace.
1: Our Real Time in the Marketplace segment takes a look at how God is using men and women around the world who step out of the box, courageously stand on God's Word, reflect God's light, and apply their faith to their unique marketplace. Reverend Eric Watkins is one of those men right here in Memphis. Eric is the director of Engage Memphis, a ministry of Faith Baptist Church in Bartlett. He also serves as housing care coordinator for Global Ministries Fellowship. Eric longs to see the often extremely troubled and forgotten communities of this city redeemed for the glory of God. God has uniquely blessed Eric with a healthy combination of gospel boldness, spiritual creativity, and a sincere desire to see people come to know Jesus Christ. Here again is Reverend Richard Hamlet. We are pleased today to have Eric Watkins
2: with us. Uh, Eric, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, thank
2: you. Uh, Brother Eric is, uh, is a champion for Christ, and um, he has a, a very unique story. Um, and we're going to hear from him in just in just a moment. But uh, he is a man who is committed to ministry in the marketplace, and uh, his desire is to see transformation through the gospel. So, Eric, good to have you here today. Would you tell us about your background and how this passion developed?
0: Well, Brother Richard, thank you. Uh, it is great to be here. I grew up in a Christian home, but that which my parents taught me about Jesus, unfortunately I never grabbed a hold of it until later in my life and at the age of eleven I started doing things that I never saw my parents do. I started drugs at the age of uh eleven in the sixth grade at at a bus stop and I ran that for twenty years of my life and I grew up in the suburbs there of Bartlett but I thought everything out there was nice. So I would go into the inner city to where I thought everything was dark, that I could hide, that I could get away from, from those that may know me to go somewhere where no one knew me. But I could set up trap houses, and I could do the things out there in the inner city that that no one would would know about me. And so one day, my parents told me, boy, you need some Jesus. So, okay, all right, I need Jesus. So I'm going to say I need Jesus, so at the age of 12, after the age of eleven, starting drugs, I called myself giving my life to Jesus, getting baptized. I didn't know what it meant to be saved. I heard all this church jargon. My parents tried to explain it to me, but i wasn't I wasn't receiving it and I started um that life and it ran and Then one day, after teaching others the gospel and and doing these things that were just crazy and jacked up in my life for all that time. July 31st, 1995, I turned the gospel on myself. I really got sick and tired of looking in the mirror and seeing someone that I didn't like. I was living a life of hypocrisy. So how could I operate a business, graduate from college, come back home, operate a business, close my store, go out to a local church, try to teach youth something that I wasn't living myself? And it began to sting me, sting me, sting me to the point to where I cried out to him. And July thirty first, nineteen ninety five, in my bathroom at the clothes hamper on a dark day, the light of Jesus shined into that little bathroom wall, and also into my into my heart. And I surrendered to Him, to the Lordship of Christ, and and uh, my life now it's been peaceful. I've I've got the joy, uh, I've got hope, and I know that I have victory because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. What a glorious testimony,
2: Eric, and how Christ came to you in one of your most distressed moments in your life. Yeah. And you didn't walk in a, a church aisle. You weren't in a sanctuary.
0: You were in the bathroom of your own house. The bathroom of my own home. <laughs> yeah, I've been in places and done things, uh, consumed things, heard things, said things. And on four different occasions, one in Atlanta where I went to undergrad school, and three times here the police caught me red-handed with uh, drugs and, and, and women and trap houses, and it told me, count this as the night that your angel has visited you. Mm. God was with me. Mm. The grace of God was was with me then, and I did not understand it. But thanks be to God that he allowed me to see another day, July 31st, where I I realized that that was his grace, and I wanted to receive that grace, that free gift.
2: Well, up until that time, you were active in a lot of markets uh, and in the marketplace, yeah. and maybe in some things that uh, weren't the best for you and for society as a whole, right. can you tell us now since that transformation date with that encounter with Christ mm-hmm. in an intimate way, how now in your ministry in the marketplace is that driving you, is the passion that you have from Christ to see changes in yeah. people's lives? Yeah.
0: The gospel changed my life, and so I know the gospel that transformed my life could also transform the lives of others. Ironically speaking, when I said trap houses, some of those same communities that you currently own and operate were some of the same communities that I had gone in and wreaked havoc in years ago. Mm-hmm. And to see what existed then and to see what ex- exists now and to know that the gospel changed me. God brought me out of Egypt to bring me back into Egypt to see those that are living and walking around as if there's no hope. For there is, there is no joy, of, nor experience the joy of them being forgiven of their sins, encourages me. And God put that passion into me. It's not me just waking up, creating some passion mm-hmm. that I'm going to go and tell folks about this man named Jesus. But I know that God has created everybody with significance, value, and dignity. And I want individuals to know that.
2: Can you give us an example of a, a person who you have mentored or you have uh, discipled mm-hmm. who came... From that same background, can you and how you've seen
0: fruit in their life through your yeah. ministry? You probably have a lot of examples. God has privileged me to to be a part of several men's lives, and and I, I say one one latest life, and I, I I don't normally disciple women, but the very first encounter I had a I had a I thought there were seven thousand streets here within our city of Memphis. I had I served as an intern at Germantown Baptist Church while I was in seminary at Mid America. I had a goal of hitting every street, every home, every person with the gospel of Jesus Christ and sending them disciple to grow in Christ likeness. So one of the communities that we started in was out in North Fraser, And we started working from the north all the way into the south. And then we landed in, in inside of Binghampton. And so one day in the fall time, myself and a, and a young lady named Beth, we were doing street evangelism, door to door evangelism. So we ran across this lady who was sitting on the curb. She's sitting on the curb. And she had a phone in her hand. And where she was sitting at Tillman um, was was a place to where businessmen, a lot of traffic would come through. It's a dope track where, where women that's out, of, out there on the street would get an opportunity to present themselves and see men come and pick them up. And so this one particular day, Beth was sharing because ladies share with ladies. And Beth wasn't getting anywhere. I saw the young lady turn off to her. And I said, oh, let me, let me share with her. And I picked it up, and I start speaking in a common vernacular, contextualizing uh, a language to her that she understood. And she's like, who are you? And I said, I once was that man that you were looking to pick you up. I was once that man that would put women out on the street. I was once that man blind in sin, and God has set me free. And you can have that same freedom today. And I started sharing the gospel with her. And through mon- every Monday at 10 o'clock, I would go out to this community for about 18 months every Monday and to see her up and down, up and down, fighting and fighting and resisting and rebelling. And then one day, I said to myself, this is my last time going to the young lady that was with me. This is my last time going down to this house. And when I got to that house, she was ready to receive Christ. But God showed me you I never gave up on you. Your parents never gave up on you. Who are you to give up on anybody else? And she gave me her journals. And from that point right there, she was uh gave her pastoral recommendation to Mariah House. So she went to Mariah House. She was able to bring her daughter in there. Once she completed Mariah House, she was able to, to get a job, get a house, uh, get a vehicle to get back and forth to her job, be restored with her children, and now she's getting married in May. Wow.
2: I tell you, from from soup to nuts, right? If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creature. Uh, all things, all things are passed away. Exactly. All things become new. Well, Eric, uh, we're so grateful for this time. And for those of you who are listening, uh, Eric is a very important part, very important person within our low-income multifamily housing ministry that God has, has given GMF. It's nationwide now. And he is very active here in the Memphis community and on all the properties that we own. And we are praying that God would bring a spiritual awakening, a catalyst through our properties, through the housing ministry. And it's men like this who know Christ and are ministers in the marketplace that God's going to use to bring glory to himself. Thank you so much, brother, for being with us today.
0: Thank you.
1: This is Ministry in the Marketplace
3: evangelizing, equipping, empowering. It's the heartbeat of every endeavor GMF undertakes. One of GMF's strategies is to invest in real estate that provides safe, sanitary, affordable housing for low to moderate income people. Both social and spiritual services are extended to these communities. GMF provides empowerment rather than entitlement. Empowerment grows out of being adequately equipped with skills to break the generational cycle of poverty. GMF provides provides job training, after-school child services, dental and medical clinics, plus education for computer literacy, housekeeping, personal finance, as well as opportunities for spiritual growth. These services are provided at no cost to the residents and are completely voluntary. To learn how Global Ministries Fellowship is evangelizing, equipping, and empowering, visit gmfonline.org. That's GMFOnline.org. This is Ministry in the Marketplace. And now, with today's wrap up, is Reverend Richard Hamlet of Global Ministries Fellowship.
2: So, the Bible exhorts us that our lives are like vapor here today and gone tomorrow. Friend, that communicates one thing to me, and I hope it communicates to you this truth that we have a limited time to live on this earth that god has ordained our birth and our death and that in between our birth and our death your story and my story is being unveiled and so we have one shot at this dear friend (laughs) this is not a dress rehearsal and so today I want to pray for you that God will just uh, encourage you today and you will uh, that He will give you new venues and new relationships, but that your existing relationships Lord, that are in the market, that God would use those for His glory so that others might be pointing to Christ. Let me pray for you now. Dear God, I pray for our listeners. Father, you know their age, you know, Father, their gender, Lord, you know all about them. And so, Father, we thank you that they've joined us today. And, Lord, I believe it was providential that they tuned in today. And I believe, God, that you have had a word for them. And I just pray, God, that each person, Lord, that you would just open their heart, open their mind. Father, pray it be centered around your gospel, and I pray, God, that they would live every day Father, every breath they would commit to You, and they would know that every heartbeat is to be for Your glory. And Lord, may that happen in my life and their life. Father, may we be so consumed by the Lord Jesus Christ and His gospel in and through us that the world will look at us and they will ask the question, what makes us different? Father, bless our listeners today in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: We thank you for listening to Ministry in the Marketplace, brought to you today by Global Ministries Fellowship. The goal and objective of this program is to encourage creative ways to advance the gospel and to reach the lost through non-traditional means. Perhaps you've discovered some ways of sharing your faith that you'd like to share with us. And if so, here's our email address. It's info at gmfonline.org. You can follow Richard Hamlet on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Richard. Hamlet, And, of course, we still receive traditional mail at 65 Germantown Court, Suite 409, Cordova, Tennessee, 38018. Ministry in the Marketplace is produced by Rick Tarrant Productions in conjunction with BOT Radio Memphis. We hope you'll join us again next time when Reverend Richard Hamlet and Global Ministries Fellowship bring you another edition of Ministry in the Marketplace.